Thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. To download the resource I created with Soberlink, Divorce and Addiction, A Guide to Move Forward, visit www.soberlink.com backslash Susan. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. The goal is to get people to focus on their kids, right? To love their kids and put their kids' needs before their desire to punish their spouse, do the opposite of what their spouse wants them to do. So if you stop and explain to them what their behavior or what their decision is doing to their child, hopefully seeing that will make them rethink what they're doing. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, and welcome back to part two of my interview with my friend and colleague, Carolyn Kalos, who is a family law attorney, mediator, and parent coordinator in New York. Thanks for coming back, Carolyn. Thanks for having me. Well, and for those of you who have listened or who were here with us on Monday, you know that Carolyn is doing an awful lot of parent coordination work these days um, in New York. And that is something that is really seeming to happen quite a bit. The rise of PC has really been sort of on a trajectory um, through COVID. And we talked about some of the reasons behind that and a little bit about what parent coordination looks like. But I want to dive in a little deeper into some topics around parent coordination, uh, because I know that this is something that for many families is not well understood and or is just not known about and they don't know that this is an option and in many ways there are so many benefits to having a parent coordinator involved that actually I'd like to start there you know we we sort of skipped over it a little bit we talked about some of them but you know as someone who does parent coordination what do you see as the benefits to all involved um families parents children courts attorneys what are the benefits of parent coordination 
So I think first and foremost is trying to keep people out of the court system. So my focus has always been kids. I think, you know, I I represented children for over 20 years in the family court system. And the reason I left is I just couldn't stand to see how, how difficult it was, you know, especially the high conflict custody cases. I couldn't, couldn't stand to see what it was doing to kids to just be involved in, in the process. So to keep families out of court, first and foremost, is better for children and for parents. Um, aside from the cost, I mean, the cost of litigating cases is just astronomical, but just trying to keep families together, working through their problems outside of court, away from judges, away from lawyers, finding solutions to their own problems, decreasing the conflict in the families. I always say this, studies show it's not divorce that hurts children, it's the conflict. It's being around the conflict, it's watching the conflict. They, you know, kids do better when their parents can get along, can work together, can communicate, right? So parents learning how not to be spouses, how to be co-parents, how to co-parent effectively, how to just manage issues that come up in a timely manner before they get long and drawn out and just people get more entrenched in their ways, how to have somebody who can, you know, help them reach consensus, come to decisions so that problems don't fester and get worse and worse and worse. So, Nothing like this can happen in the court system. They're too bogged down. They're too busy. It takes too long to get before a judge. A judge does not have the ability to take the time to get to know your family, to get to know what's best for your family, what's best for your children. So I, that's a very long run on. Maybe I should take a breath. <laughs> no, it's actually, well, I think that's because there are so many benefits to parent coordination. And one of the things that I've always been attracted to parent coordination for clients, even when I was, when I was a litigator, um, because I think I was introduced to parent coordination, gosh, probably 20 years ago or so was because so often for parents, it's the day-to-day, what I'm going to call mini disputes that they actually need help with, right? Because as they go back and forth in their, in their negative patterns of communication, every little thing becomes a disagreement or a point of conflict. And you can't run to your attorney and litigate over the homework not getting done on, you know, Sunday nights, or you could, but, you know, cost effective wise to run back to court every time you have a disagreement with your co-parent can be extremely expensive and not very practical because by the time you're finally going to get a determination, it's probably months and months and months down the road. If you have a parent coordinator that you're working with, you're not only going to work on that issue, but you're actually working on the construct around it, the way that the two of you approach it, the way the two of you communicate about these issues, the way you dissect the problem, the way that you um, uh, generate other options, all of that, and whether or not the homework is getting done on Sundays or whatever your issue might be, is something that you can work with your parent coordinator on in an expedited timeline. Right. So the, the fact is it's really almost like a boot camp 
for co-parenting. I mean, if I can coin that or, or use that phrase, it's a way to take the negative dynamics and try to shift them while also solving problems along the way. Would you, would you agree with that? Right. The goal is to sort of get people to focus on their kids, right? To love their kids and put their kids' needs before their, their desire to, you know, hate their spouse, punish their spouse, do the opposite of what their spouse wants them to do, right? So if you sort of stop and explain to them what their behavior or what their decision is doing to their child, hopefully seeing that will make them rethink what they're doing. And I think actually from, you know how I'm, I'm obsessed with your podcast. I listen all the time. I think I told you I've missed my subway stop more than once because I'm just So Christina McGee, I, I recommend her book to all my co-parents, but she said something about like hating your spouse is really like, you know, choosing your spouse over your child and no person in their right mind would ever choose their ex-spouse over their child consciously, but choosing to engage in that conflict and continue to engage in that conflict is doing that. It's not only choosing the spouse over the child, it's showing them what happens when you no longer agree with somebody or love somebody, which is not a great message to send your child, right? That's right. another thing. And, it, you know, so by showing the parent in real time what this looks like and what this is doing, the hope is to break the pattern, right? And to get the parent focused on the child and on new ways of making decisions that don't involve, you know, that, that focus on the child, not on old patterns in the relationship, anger from the relationship, or anything having to do with making a decision based on the other parent on anything other than what's best for the child. Right. I mean, so how often do you hear as a point of, I'll call it argument in a discussion with co-parents, well, that's just not fair. And they mean not fair to themselves. And how often do you have to turn that around to, well, who is it not fair to you or your children? Is there fair when it comes to, I get the um, comment a lot. I actually posted something the other day about uh, taking the high road with your co-parent, your co-parent, you know, levels a blow. And our first instinct is to level one back. But if you love your children and you want to put them first, you take the high road and you love your children more than you hate your ex, kind of what you were just talking about. And I got all kinds of responses from people saying, well, yeah, but that's not fair. He doesn't let me see the kids on Mother's Day. So why should I let him see the kids on Father's Day? And that's kind of what you're talking about here, right? You know, it's it's not about what your co-parent did. It's what's best for your kids. Right. And, you know, everything you do, you're modeling for your children the way you want to show them what kind of person. It, it was another one of your podcasts. You want to show them what kind of person you want to aspire to be when they right. grow up. And, you know, you're basically showing them that even though you and your their parent are no longer married. You're still a family. You still want to show respect for the other parent. And, and I think even also importantly, show that the two of you communicate because we all know kids are smart and they're going to start trying to manipulate you 
by, you know, well, my other parents said this. And if the two of you are not on the same page, they're going to start getting over on both of you. Like, well, I get to watch eight hours of screen time at this one's house, or this one lets me eat dessert before dinner at this one's house. And if the two of you are not communicating, then they're going to end up engaging in all sorts of manipulation that's just not good for them. Right. I mean, you are the united front of parents when it comes to co-parenting your kids, or that would be the ideal. Um, and, and there's so many different things that a parent coordinator can help with, and we've talked about a lot of those. But there are some things that a parent coordinator, it's just not that it's not their role. It's not appropriate. So so open our eyes a little bit to where a parent coordinator won't go. So even many of my colleagues are mental health professionals, right? They're therapists or yeah. you know, family therapists. But in the role of a PC, you are not a therapist, right? So they don't do therapy. So I've had to find myself saying to somebody, I think maybe you should speak with a consulting attorney, because even though in my brain, I know I could give them the legal information they need, it's not my role. So you have to be really careful to stay in your lane as a parenting coordinator. Parenting coordinators don't do supervised visitation. It's just a different role. So that it would be, you know, farmed out for that don't do forensics or evaluations. I mean, there's so many different roles within the court system. And it it would be ideal, obviously, if one person could meet every single need, but the the constraints are different and the roles are different. So it's really important to just basically I don't stay in your lane and do just what your role is, is the parenting coordination and teaching parents how to better communicate and keep the focus on their kids and keep you know, trying to help them redefine their roles. Yeah, I think that's an important point, the staying in everyone's lane, because we run into it also. And I've talked about it on other shows about uh, as being an attorney mediator. Uh, as an attorney in a mediation where I'm the mediator, people know you're an attorney. So they will turn to you and say, well, what should I do about this? And we're as in our attorney hat, when that's on, people are paying us for advice. So it's very natural uh, for us to say, well, here's, you know, here are the pros, here are the cons, and here's what I would advise you do. That's what an attorney does. It's not what a mediator does. And it's not what a parent coordinator does. Although a parent coordinator can layer in that information like you were just talking about a minute ago about studies show that it's actually the conflict between their parents that causes problems for children, not just the fact of a divorce. That's information that can be layered in because it's neutral. It's giving information to both parents, um, even if it may be directed at one, right? Right, right. Yeah. yeah so and there is some overlap and that's what's complicated, right? There's always overlap between what's information versus advice, what's, you know, telling them what the big picture things are that, you know, are needed versus, you know, you should go to a therapist because X, Y, or Z. I mean, it can be complicated. There are gray areas. Yeah, I, well, I would imagine. And so there's that tightrope that all professionals walk, no matter what their role is. I mean, attorneys walk a tightrope as well. We all walk different tightropes. Hey, listeners, I just wanted to let you know about a new feature on the podcast website. 
We now have a special directory of episodes that are bunched by topic. We know it's really overwhelming when you're faced with trying to find trustworthy and helpful information when you're going through divorce. And since we have over 150 episodes to date, we know it can be hard to hunt through them all to find the one that answers the question that you have, but not anymore. Visit the divorceandbeyondpod.com website and click on the Divorce Topics tab on the menu bar. You're going to find pages dedicated to all kinds of divorce topics, including parenting, finance, high conflict, taming your emotions, mental health, and so much more. So be sure to check it out today at divorceandbeyondpod.com. Stay tuned for more from part two of my interview with attorney Carolyn Kalos, who's walking you through the pros and cons of parent coordination, what you need to know before you find yourself needing one. Bad-mouthing another parent also. I mean, studies show with that, you know, the child is made up of each of the parents. So if one parent is saying, you know, your other parent is an XYZ, some of that gets internalized to the child. So parents need to know that. If you are finding these episodes with Carolyn Kalos helpful, then check out the special double episode with leading attorney Beth McCormick entitled GAL AMC OMG, demystifying the role of the guardian ad litem and attorney for the minor child. Those are episodes 190 and 191, and they aired back in July 2021. And now we return to today's show. Do you have instances where you have to be blunt with a parent about something? Is that a part of the role as well? I always, as an attorney, called it the come to Jesus moment. Like, look, we've got to sit down and I'm just really going to lay the facts out here for you. Is that something you do as a parent coordinator? Yes. Yes. I mean, you have to at at certain points. Like I've, I've had a conversation where I've said you cannot involve your child in this kind of an adult conversation. You cannot speak uh, to your child about the other parent like that. You just can't do it. You know, I think that's well within the the purview of the parenting coordination. You know, it's hard what you, when things come up and one parent says one thing and another parent says one thing, but when you're meeting with people together, which is what you know, after the initial meeting is really important to do. Because again, you need to teach them how to communicate with each other. So you can say at some point, you don't need me anymore. But in one of my cases, something came up about asking a child to lie. That's what it was. And I said, you just can't do it. That's just not safe. Kids can never, ever, ever lie to their parents. Like, Things happen out in the world. I know you did that episode speaking to the assistant district attorney, the episode parents should never hear. I come from a child abuse background and I feel extremely strongly kids can't lie. And and I'm never going to not be honest about something like that. They can't lie to their parents. So yes, certain things you need to be blunt about other things are more of a conversation. Right. You, you you have a little more tact around it. But asking, yeah, asking your child to lie to their other parent, if a parent is not seeing the problem with that, 
then that seems like something that should be brought, you know, to the forefront very clearly for them. Bad mouthing another parent also. I mean, studies show with that, you know, the child is made up of each of the parents. So if one parent is saying, you know, your other parent is an XYZ, some of that gets internalized to the child. Parents need to know that. I had Ellen Bruno on. She did the film Split. Her new film is Split Up. Same kid several years later. And one of the scenes is a, a little boy or a young man now. He's, he's uh, I think, 19 or 20. And he says, you know, my mom is always, you know, saying how much she hates my dad. And this is six or seven or eight years past the breakup. And he goes, I think it means she really hates me because I look just like him. And this is a kid many years past his parents' divorce. And, you know, mom was not saying, I hate you. But that's what that kid was hearing and how he extrapolated it in his mind. And I think that that is such a telling moment. I can't wait to have Ellen on. She's going to come on and talk about the sequel and we're going to show it. You know, there are certain things that people need to hear. And it's actually, you can't say it as a parent to your co-parent, right? You can, but it's not going to get heard the same way that hopefully it will be heard when it comes from a third party. Right, right. There's too much anger. There's too much hurt. There's too much resentment. Right. So your parent coordinator is actually who that person who can be the voice of reason. Uh, but I have to point out, not always are parents going to agree with what you put out there. So your proffered advice, your insights, and ultimately your recommendation may not be something that a parent agrees with. And, and, you know, we know they can well then take your recommendation to court and ask a judge to make a decision, et cetera. But in the day-to-day of working with parents, how do you deal with that dynamic where someone's upset with you because you didn't agree with them? So that's a great question. I mean, so I start out by saying that you won't always both agree with me, but hopefully over time we'll build some trust and some goodwill, right? So hopefully you'll get to know me and you'll A, feel comfortable, you know, having a conversation with me about that and B, understand that over the course of our, you know, relationship, sometimes I will be agreeing with you and sometimes with your spouse. And, you know, I had a a conversation recently with somebody who said she felt that I was biased. And I said, well, I would like to have a conversation with you about it. And we did. And we had, you know, an open and honest conversation. And at the end of it, she said, I want to thank you for your time. And I said, well, you know, I'm uh, glad that we had a chance to clear the air. And she said, well, yes. And I think that we're going to be stronger moving forward. So I was really grateful that she actually said something to me. Right. And so I think that comes from the fact that we had built a trusting relationship over time. So if she had gone on just thinking it, then it may not have been the same. So you have to just hope that you build trust and that people feel that they can come to you. And then when they do, you know, have an honest, non-defensive, open communication. There's so many things that are right in in what you did here and, and how this went. Just the fact that, you know, you told them and you tell your clients from the beginning there are going to be times where I'm probably not agreeing with you and be be aware of that. And also get, not giving permission, but normalizing the fact that if they are feeling 
something like you're being biased or you're not being fair or whatever that might be to raise it so that you had the opportunity to clear the air and, and then be stronger going forward. That is so significant. Well, actually I have to give her the credit because I hadn't said, if you feel something, raise it. And I will in the future, I hadn't said that. So I give her the credit for actually saying it. Um, And then, yes, I actually said, let's have a conversation about this, which which I was glad I did. But no, I hadn't said it in the beginning, but I will going forward to say, yeah, live and learn. Well, and I want to just point out too, that you're also in that modeling a positive communication pattern. You're not so that because that's one thing that you're trying to help this couple with these former parents or former couple now co-parents help their communication. It's not just working with the two of them speaking together, you just modeled a conversation with her between the two of you that was an uncomfortable conversation, perhaps aired some things that needed to be aired and the power of that, of being able to go forward. There's also that type of modeling and lessons that, you know, you can get out of working with someone that you has integrity and that you can trust um, and build that relationship with, which is another positive of a good PC. Right. I I was grateful that she brought it up and that we could have a conversation because I I want to continue to work. And we, you know, there were certain misunderstandings or things that she wasn't aware of that I was speaking to her co-parent about. So she couldn't have known the whole situation. And there were things that I could have said differently to her that I had a chance to explain. So overall, it was a good experience. And I will, going forward, be very clear with people that I'm open to, you know, feedback and communication, because this goes back to the initial point that people need to feel comfortable with me when they pick me, right? Because if their lawyers just put me in an agreement and they don't know me, then, you know, something happens right away. They haven't had a chance to build any trust with me and, or there's just not good chemistry or not, you know, the potential to build trust. It's not going to be a positive relationship. Right. And it's, it's a very, you said it earlier, it's an intimate relationship, right? You are talking about intricacies of their relationship and their children. And it's just, it doesn't get more personal than that. But you also alluded to, and I think this is important for people to know, it, it can be a longer process, right? This can be something you, you may have a parent coordinator, depending on your level of conflict, your ability to, you know, start changing those, those patterns of uh, communication, a parent c- coordinator may be with you for a while, but the goal is to get to a point where you're, as you said, get yourself fired, right? Um, how do you, who Maybe knows? not fired, but yeah. get myself out of a job. Out of a job, right. Not fired. You're right. Um, you you uh, eliminate the need for your services. You know, I, I know there's probably no set amount of time or just like how long does a mediation take? How long will my divorce take? How long will I need a parent coordinator? It depends. But how do you, how would people know they're getting to the point of, you know, their parent coordinator being someone who's done their job and isn't needed anymore? I think the frequency with which you need to call on them will decrease the way you feel about your spouse, ex-spouse will have changed your ability to solve your own problems. I mean, you'll know, you'll know. 
right? You, and if you, you don't know, I'll know okay. and I'll bring it up, right? Well, and I think that's a significant factor too, because I see this with like therapists, right? You get so used to going to therapy and it's so much a part of your day that you get to go for an hour and someone's just going to listen to you vent for an hour. It's awesome, right? And then I remember the time when a therapist was kind of like, Susan, you know, we're we're kind of probably at a point where you don't need to come here all the time. And I was like, why? You know, there's an end to this. But I think that it's important for people to know that there's a goal and that there's something that you hope to achieve by working with the PC. It's not just hiring a private judge to come in and adjudicate your disputes for the next however long. It is really, truly someone who's going to come in, hopefully help you better that co-parenting relationship and get you to that point where you don't need them. Right. You can put a mediator in your parenting agreement, separation agreement to say yes. if you need mediation, that's for more like a private judge. Like when you can't agree on big things, parenting coordinator is for the little things to keep you on track, help you learn how to parent, you know, more efficiently and effectively. And, um, you know, the goal is to, again, teach you new ways to be a family, new ways to parent and, you know, so that you don't need help anymore. And you go forth in a better way into your beyond, like we always talk about on the podcast. Driving. So what are some of the most common areas that people will bring? I mean, we know it's about parenting, but what are some of the real common areas that people will really need to bring in um, a parent coordinator to help them with? Well, you know, New York City has a lot of options for school choice. You don't just register at the local school, so school choice therapy. Some parents are not in favor of therapy. Um, lots of vaccine considerations, lots of COVID considerations, COVID protocols, safety protocols, social media use when kids can use social media, when parents can post their children on social media, religion, when I've had situations where parents agree to raise a child in one religion and then a parent remarries and wants to incorporate a second religion in the child's life, extracurricular activities, uh, sometimes a child plays a sport that is on the other parent's weekend and that parent doesn't want to take the child to the sporting events child wants to quit piano and one parent is not in favor and the other parent is in favor. Um, you know, we've had religious ceremony issues. One parent wants a bar bat mitzvah. The other does not. Whether or not to have a child have um, a baptism or a communion, everything, whether to ride the subway alone, at what age to ride the subway alone, new romantic relationships, when to introduce them who, you know, parent, whether someone is safe to be around someone else's relative, you know, everything. I mean, I could go on and on. Would you like me to do (laughs) Well, I was just going to say, that's actually a great, because it really brings home, I think, that a parent coordinator can help you with anything, really, that comes up as long as it tangentially even touches on your children. Um, so, I mean, you you already referenced earlier that the agreement can be only very specific to one issue. But if you have a parent coordinator involved, just understand your parent coordinator could, has the potential to be able to help you with this breadth of issues. And many of those are not the issues that come up during the divorce, right? They're the issues that start to come up post-divorce, 
or you mentioned a few that you have initially an agreement about something that you don't actually foresee changing, but then circumstances in life change and they need to be revisited. So there's a variety of benefits to having um, a parent coordinator that you like and trust um, and, and work with on on an as needed basis. And, and we've talked about how it can start out sort of a, being a lot of time with your PC and hopefully save you down to where you're not meeting, needing to meet with them. I just want to make sure we mention one more time, family kind, uh, where you are on the board and where you also do uh, provide uh, parent coordination services. Tell people a little bit more about Family Kind because it's it's a really wonderful organization and people should know about it. So it was started by a friend of mine, Leslie Friedland. She was a referee in family court, and it was really upsetting to her to see so many families who weren't able to have the services they needed because they weren't able to afford them. So we're about to have our 10th anniversary. Um, we're having a gala next month. And um, so what she does is provide services to families going through separation and divorce without regard to how much they can pay. So it's a sliding scale. There's some opportunity for people to have mediation services, you know, without paying at all. And she only allows consultants who are ex- experienced in mediation, parenting coordination. She has financial professionals and uh, all of her consultants agree to take the sliding scale rate and work with families. Um, I'm a consulting attorney on a case that has a financial professional, other consulting attorneys. That's separate from family kind, but the mediator is through family kind and the financial professional. And um, they offer amazing parenting classes. Um, something I recommend to a lot of my parenting coordination couples, there's something called Good Talk for Families that is a great thing for parenting coordination um clients and parenting skills classes there's anchor management classes so you know one of the things we do as parenting coordinators is refer people for services so i refer to family kind for services all the time so it's really just a great organization and a lot of professionals in new york you know volunteer their time and services just because they believe that everyone should have access to you know good quality services and it, it's a wonderful organization and what they're doing, I, I wish every state had it. Um, not many do. So if you are lucky enough to be in New York, um, I will have a link to Family Kind in the show notes as well. And one last time, Carolyn, how can people reach out to you to find out more about your parent coordination services, your mediation services, and your consulting services? Because you also work outside of New York. Yes. Um, uh, my website, I have carolynkalis.com is for my parent coordination, but also family friendly mediation is my other website for the rest of my services. Either one will get you to the same place. Wonderful. And I do have some social media, but again, I always say you're the master. Well, I, I aspire to be like you one day. Well, I'll have your social media handles in there as well. And then you are, you have a special offer, um, for listeners, uh, to get, um, some time with you. So if you could tell people about that and how to, to access it. 
I do work in New York as an attorney and a mediator and parenting coordinator, but I do work with people outside of New York, sort of in a strategy, coaching, consulting capacity. So um, there will be a special offer and there's, I guess Susan's going to put a link in the bio to um, a special price and a special offer to um, have a session with me. So you can reach out to Carolyn directly through that link. It'll be in the show notes and you'll be able to meet with her for a consultation um, to do some, you know, strategizing around working with your PC, maybe get some help about working with a PC, selecting a PC. I mean, really there's, a, as you can tell, Carolyn has a wealth of knowledge in this area. So I highly encourage you to reach out to her, go follow her on Instagram at family friendly mediation on Instagram. It's a great feed. And thanks so much, Carolyn, for joining me. Oh, Susan, it was my pleasure. You know how much I love your podcast. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.